Welcome to episode 16 of the Ballin' Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with uh, Russ and Grant. We are the Big Orange Bandits. How are you guys doing tonight, boys? Doing great. How you boys doing? Man, I cannot complain. Absolutely. Um, tonight, we're going to touch on some uh, Vols basketball. We're going to talk about George Mason uh, tonight See how and talk about how we did, what we've seen, what we liked. Um mention a little bit about Illinois and what they did tonight, and then uh, we're going to take a visit to Elude City, talk, talk some NFL, recap our picks, and do a little trivia. So, what do you guys say we get started? Let's get it rolling. Sir, so tonight we, uh, our balls hit, uh, hit George Mason in the mouth, 87-66, much needed win. Yummy. The way the last three games have gone. Um, boys, it's good to see Iwaka and, uh, connect back so soon after those ankle injuries in Maui and North Carolina. Also, good to see, this first time I've seen him, uh, Frankie DeLeon. Man, Freddie is going to be a special player later down the line for yeah. us. Uh, four-star point guard coming in. He joined the team last year at the midterm, took a red shirt, got to sit back and learn from all the guys we had on the team last year. I have high expectations for this kid later in the season when we really need that guard depth. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, we, we all know there's two things you got to have in March. Good guard play and at least one big man that can score the ball. Well, speaking of big men that can score the ball, I, I'll, I guess I'll just touch on this. Jonas Adu had a career high tonight yes. with 17 points. He played the best basketball game I have seen this kid play, and he's in his third year with the program. Dude, he knocked down two threes, and his shot was just silky smooth. Up until tonight, he was 0 for 5 on the season. Yeah. Well, you know, tonight he shot 7 of 11 from the field, 1 of 1 from the free throw line. He had eight rebounds. So what the kid did, I mean, is unbelievable on this. And, oh, I forgot to mention this too, but he had four assists and zero turnovers. Dude, him, uh, him and a walk, uh, and a walk of both, man. They played just, they played some of their best ball so far this season. Both of them almost had double double. Yeah. I would argue that Adu played his definite best ball of the season. But I mean, Grant said it. He played his best, he's played the best ball for us tonight that he's played in a volunteer uniform yet. If this is what we're going to see from Adu going forward, mixed with the other talent that we have, it's refreshing. It really is, and it having Tobey Awaka come back off the bench as well to be able to work with the second unit, be able to play with them is massive for us. The Volunteers missed Tobey Awaka more in the three games that we lost than I think any of us really understand. He does a lot of the stuff that doesn't go into the stat sheet. Yeah, yeah, he does the dirty work. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a, he's a heck of a rebounder, too, with what he does for us. I mean, tonight... Let's pull up his stats real quick. Well, it's the hustle stats, you know. You you said it. You said it yourself. It's the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheets. The hustle stats, man. I mean, those things matter. You take a look at some of the best players to ever play this game. One of the best players to ever play this game, Larry Bird. One of the best hustle stat guys too. So I, I don't disagree. Yeah, right there is where the games won. Plain and simple, that's old school basketball, that's team basketball. If you've got a guy or two guys on your team that does that kind of stuff, you're going to win a lot of ball games. Exactly. I mean, you look at what Awaka did uh, tonight for the Volunteers. In 11 minutes, he scored 11 points, 
had seven rebounds, but the one I'm going to look at the most right here, he had four offensive rebounds. That's Ooh. that was one thing tonight that you could kind of tell that has uh, between uh, the last <laughs> over the last three games and then practice over the weekend, whatever that was emphasized in uh, in practice, defense and rebounding and just overall general physicality. Well, exactly. You know, the Volunteers really found their defense against George Mason again. Now, I do understand George Mason is from the Atlantic 10. It's not the caliber of ball that you're going to see in the SEC, but being able to see the defense go out there, hold a team to 42% from the field, be able to grab 43 boards, you know, that that's what we've got to see from this team moving forward if they have any aspirations to cut the nets down later in the season. Yes, absolutely. Those uh, rebounding numbers have to stay right where they're at. That was that's nice. Well, we got forty three boards to their twenty six. That so, right there is going to win you every single time that you hit the hardwood. Yes. When you've got that many more second chance opportunities, either whether it's on defense or offense, you're doing good because you're either taking it away or you're get or you're giving yourself another opportunity one way or the other. That, so that's that's always gonna be good that we can that we win by that much of a discrepancy on the boards. That musters out to seventeen more boards than them. That's seventeen more opportunities to score than they had. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah, you, you know, the, the biggest concern I have with what I saw tonight is still the free throw woes are still a little bit there. I mean, Josiah went two for six from the line. You had a couple of other guys not have their best night. We shot 63.5% from the line tonight. Those you, numbers, take a look, you take a look at what Josiah could have did, and sorry to interrupt, but you take a look at what the kid could have did had he hit those free throws tonight, he would have been sitting with 18, 19 points. Yeah. He scored 15 tonight, and he was one from three from the from the three line, um, you know, but he was six of nine from the field in 27 minutes, 15 points. I do want to say this. I mean, you look at the rebounds he had. He had six rebounds. He had six assists. He had three steals. Big stat right here, too, and this is what I'm always going to reference back to. Anybody who knows me I, knows how I go about this. Only two turnovers, and he had six assists. That's, that's smart ball right there. Well, it's a guy who came in as a five-star who was going to play the guard, got pushed down to the wing or in the forward on the block down there, and he still got those guard skills. He's still able to yeah. facilitate the ball, and that's what we need. I mean, Zakai Ziegler is still not Zakai Ziegler of what he was last year, and I, like I said in the last episode, I'm not concerned about him still, but we got to have somebody to be able to take some pressure off of Zakai Ziegler and if Josiah Jordan-James is going to be the guy who's going to step up and be able to help facilitate the ball, that's what this team is going to have to have until Zakai's 100% ready, not rusty anymore, healthy, trust the knee, whatever it is. Because th this team is so guard-centric with what we do. Yes. Somebody uh, pronounced the kid's name for me, the new guard that we were discussing earlier. Freddie Dillion. Dillion, there you go. That's where he's going to have to really step in here, I think. I think after what we saw tonight, he needs to step in more and more. And you start giving him a little bit more of a leash to work with every game until Zakai's ready to get back. And by the time Zakai's ready to get back, then we have two guards that can play at that level. Now, I'll just tell you, boys, tonight Zakai looked as good to me as he has all year. Um 
he had a really solid first half. I watched him net two two back to back threes up up the court. So he did have a good. No, he had a, he had a good game tonight, but it's still not what we expect from Zakai. Well, with Zakai Ziegler, six points out of him, sure, that's enough if everybody else is doing their job. But two of six from the field, that's not good enough for what we need. We need to see right. him sitting right at fifty percent. Playing yep. the smart ball he's always played. Now, I am happy to see six assists on that with only one turnover right there. Yep. That's juicy. That's yeah. juicy. Well, it's, you know, he played a complete game tonight. There's there's one thing about it that I've noticed, especially since um, Rev Rick has been here. We don't have – they don't really have a problem sharing the ball. Nobody's well, like, hey, I'm going to get mine. I don't care about the rest of y'all. They don't, they don't have a problem sharing the ball. No, exactly, and you look at this right down here too, guys. 27 assists for the Volunteers tonight, where the George Mason Patriots only had 11. That is a team that plays team ball. They know where the man, the, their, their men are going to be at on the floor every single time, and they set their guys up for the perfect shot that's going to go on the scoreboard. That's what this team's got to do. Share the ball, play good defense. You know yes. what that tells me? That tells me that those practices that Rev Rick's putting on, pretty friggin' intense. I, I agree with that. You know, I need to get over there and watch a practice next time they have an open one. But he he rides the guys. You play defense first. If you're not going to play defense, don't even worry about getting on the floor. Well, that well, is Rick Barnes' mantra right there. And that is what has made Tennessee basketball turn into what it is over the past Short eight years under him. Yes. Run that back for me. They have open practices. They have some open practices each year. There's not a whole lot of them, but there are, there are some. That? When News have that I didn't know us. right there. I'd love to check that out. That's something we got to do. Hey, volling out takes on a, takes on an open practice. <laughs> Going on a road trip. Road trip. There we no, go. I'm going to drive out from Nashville. No, it'd be really cool, man. If uh, you know, think about if we could do something like that for for the pod. I mean, here it'd be cool to maybe set up in a luxury box and do it. But hey, Danny White, give me a call. We'll gladly come on. Yes, sir. Hey, we'll, we'll do lunch. Yeah. Hey, Danny White, we'll take you to lunch. I'll buy you Chick Fil A. Yeah. Let's Have go. People call our people. There it's we go. Good, it's good um, chicken, brother. You know you want some. <laughs> but, you know, Grant, one thing you touched on earlier was the free throw line for us. This was a problem last year, too, but I, they were talking during the game that we're uh, – it was it's a minus 54 free throw discrepancy for us. Like, in other words, we've shot 54 sh- shots from the free throw less line less than everybody else. It's mm. crazy. Well – I think a lot of that came from those games in Maui where there wasn't a lot of fouls called. And then a lot at North Carolina in the first half where we possibly could have gotten some calls. There were some questionable no calls in that game. And I think sure. every Tennessee fan will agree with that. But I'm not here to bash the officials. No. Right. I'm here to say we've got to be better from the line. That number has got to get up to the 70, 70 to 75 range if this team – has those aspirations to cut down the nets. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Absolutely. That was some, that's something they need to do. And they've got the talent to go to the rack. So it's not – I don't think it's that they're not going to the rack enough. I just think that they're not, they're not putting the, the officials in the position to be like, hey, I got to call that. Well, you take – you know, you take into 
back to your Grant's point there about shooting over 70 to cut down the nets, the teams that have cut down the nets in the last probably 15 seasons have had to have shot over 70%. Every team. There's no way that you pass up those free points and win ball games. You, 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 can't, you can't do it. There was one year, it seems like, and I want to say it was the year Kansas and Memphis played in the national championship. Both of those were – both of those teams were awful at the free throw line. Awful. And it was just like who could hit the free throw was going to – and it, it's, it's always going to hold true. If you can hit your free throws, chances are you're going to win the game in a close game. And that, that that's what that ended up coming down to. And I think uh, – I want to say Kansas ended up getting them – pulling away late and making it not as close as it was because of that. Imagine yeah. that, a well-coached Kansas team. Yeah, I think Bill Self was still there at that point. But, you know, kind of a throwback talking about that team. That was Derrick Rose and John Calipari out in the 901 back then. That that Memphis team was good. Not to mention, though, that they did come to Knoxville and get spanked. It was actually in Memphis that time. You're right. It was in the pyramid. It, it was out there out there on Beale Street, man. Hmm. So. Grand Park. That's my that's my town, son. I lived there for a long time. Anybody who knows me knows that about me, right there. Yes, yes. But, uh, diving a little bit more into what the Volunteers did tonight, guys. Uh, Dalton Connect was able to return from that nasty ankle sprain. Um, didn't give you a whole lot. He gave you ten points. But what I love to see is Jonas Adu. We touched on him earlier. Seventeen points out of him. Josiah Jordan James got you fifteen. You had Tobe Awaka get you eleven. If you get that from the other guys, Dalton can go out and give you 10 every single night, and it doesn't matter. Right, right. If you can get that that kind of production from your starting five and it's not one guy having to carry the load, we're, we're, you're going to be tough to beat. Well, I, agree. I think, too, boys, that we can – I think we can attest the 10 points from Dalton in this game as a good job from him because I think that he's still a little limited on that ankle. There's no way it's completely 100%. We saw how it looked. It didn't look good. That's not 100% ankle right there. He was limited a little bit in movement. He had to be. But regardless, 10 points after having a, a bum ankle for right now, I'll take it. Oh, I'll take it any any day of the week. I mean, if you tell me that there's going to be a guy on the team that's guaranteed to get 10 points, I don't care who it is. I'm going to say, yeah, smash it. Let's go with it, you know, yeah. because that's – what you need from your guys. Um, you know, he played more of a role tonight instead of being the guy, but this is one thing I was thinking about <laughs> earlier today, guys, and I kind of wanted to bring this to you guys on a pod tonight, but I think Dalton Connect turned out to be so much better than what anybody expected, and that's kind of what's disrupted the offense for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I think everybody was saying, oh, well, here's a guy, he's coming from a mid-major, what do we really get from him? Then he goes out there and he turned out to be him. You know, I mean, he could pull the Austin Reeves walking off the floor saying, I'm him, I'm him. But, you know, this guy, nobody expected him to be able to go into the Dean Dome and drop 37. Nobody expected him to play the game, play how he has in the games that we've had so far. And I think that that's kind of disrupted what we do on the offensive side of the ball more than anything, because the guys have to get used to playing with them. I mean, you look at our starters, the four out of the five guys – not including connect. So the four, not including connect, they all were on the team last year. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, they were not used to having to defer to him. Well, and that, I think that, again, you, you mentioned, you know, having to defer to him. Um, another kind of pedestrian game from Santi tonight. Mm. But he's still doing he's still doing the other things. He's, he's just not putting points on the board. And that's fine. Like, if, if he can do the other things, you know, and he can get used to that flow because now he doesn't have to put the points on the board necessarily. No. Well, um, if Santi can give you 10 points a game, that's all you need if you've got Dalton who can go out there and score 20. If Adu can replicate what he did tonight, that's – I mean, you don't need that from Santi anymore. You know Josiah is going to walk out there and give you 15 every single time he touches the floor. Yes. You know Dalton can get you 15. Santi can get you 15 if he gets hot, but he can also do what he did against North Carolina last week where he does where he puts a big old goose egg up on the stat sheet. Yep. Right. So I, I'm, you know, I want to see more out of him, but what I like looking at the stat sheet here, Santiago Vescovi only shot four shots and he hit two of them. At least he's not going out there like some of the other guys on the team have in the past and they're shooting three of 10 from the field. Right. He's going out there and he's at least taking smart shots. He's not, he's not trying to shoot himself into the game and in the meantime shooting, your, shooting the team out of the game. Exactly. Right. It's not, it's not my player on 2K where you can go out there and you can just hit because it's not real life. This is real life and people like us invest into this. Right. And it affects our days, unfortunately. Right. But, you know, I'm happy to see that he's at least taking the smart shots and being able to, you know, not hurt the team. Uh, and he's able to still help them at the same time. 28 minutes and seven points. Not, not great, but I'll take it. That was well. That's one of his better games this year from scoring wise. I mean, because what was his high? What's his highest point total been this year? 10? It was against Kansas, and I believe he scored twenty one. I'm pulling up. Yeah, twenty one oh, yeah. against Kansas. Yeah, I was way off. No, he had a really good game against Kansas, but that's the only game that stands out to anybody this season from Santi. Well, you uh, look at his past five games. So we'll start off with Syracuse, six points. Purdue, eight points. Kansas, 21. North Carolina, zero. George Mason, seven. We've got to see more out of him. And I still think that, you know, he's trying to get used to things changing up at the office. He's not the go-to guy anymore on offense. He's still mourning the loss of his grandmother. My, my thoughts and prayers go out to him because I know that's not easy. But Absolutely. this is not the Santiago Vescovi we're going to be seeing come March. No, I agree with that 100%. Well, and you know, too, something that, that sort of tells me, too, that he – and maybe I'm reaching here with this, but, you know, he's usually money from the free throw line. I watched him hit the front of the rim on one tonight for sure, and I thought he was going to airball it. Yeah, he. so he only shot two free throws tonight. He's not being as aggressive as he used to be. Like, what was the thing a couple of years ago? Like, in clutch time, he's almost 100% from the free yeah. throw line. We've got to have that Santi back because it's going to help us get that free throw line back up to the 70% where I want to see it at versus the 63% we were at today. Right. We've got to cut into that free throw discrepancy somehow or another too. I mean, we've got to. And that, and that, I think that plays into what you're saying too, is he's got to get back to old Santi being, you know, aggressive and saying, all right, I'm going to put my foot in the ground I'm go and I'm going to the hole. I agree, and that, that is what we've got to see from Santiago Vescovi. If we don't get that, this team is going to be limited what they can do come tournament time. 
But here's the best thing on that, boys. It's December. Yes. Yeah. We've got uh, a good a good three and a half months going on to uh, get to tournament time. So we're, we're, we got plenty of time to wait for that to come through. Um, one thing, too, I want to say that I've just – maybe because I've watched more of them early this year as opposed to last year, I was still caught up in, in the hoopla football. But um, it seems like uh, – Josiah Jordan James, man, he he's really polished up his outside game, going especially going from the back part of last year on into this year. It's impressed me. It well, you know, last year I want to say it was probably February is when he really came on with that outside shot, and he's not slowed it down one bit. No. I mean, tonight he didn't have the best night shooting from the three. He was one for three from the line. But you look at some of the other games he's had. I mean, let's look at North Carolina, for example, right here. His three-point shooting percentage was 50%. Yeah. It doesn't tell me what the exact number was here, but you get 50% from a man. That's that's what you need. Yes. Some uh, of the best shooters in the NBA don't hit 50% from the three line. Well, Steph Curry can't do that. You know, he uh, watching that North Carolina game, He, him and uh, Ganey had a lot to do with getting us back into that game along with Connect until he went went down. Those three right there, if we can get, you know, 25 from Dalton and 17, 18 from uh, Ganey Eight. and 15 from um, Josiah Jordan-James, that's that's a lot. That's a big, and you got to throw a- in Adu's numbers for a good, you know, I mean, because he had seven, what, 17 tonight. And then, I mean, if he gives you that to add on to all what you just said, we're running away with these guys. Right. It's not Without close. question. And that, that's what you got to see from this team. Um, you know, I kind of think we've dived as much into George Mason as there is with what it was tonight. It's an Atlantic 10 team coming into town on a Tuesday. But this is one nugget that I heard earlier today on the radio. And uh, I sent it over to Jordan, but I want to share this on the pod with the listeners as well. After tonight, Rick Barnes and his entire career at Tennessee – is 80 and three when leading at halftime. Wow. You want to talk about one of the most impressive stats I have ever seen. That's a doozy right there, bud. Now, to break that down for a football guy, uh, Grant, in football terms, what would that be? Oh, gosh. 80 and three over the course of eight years. I mean, I would say in football over the course of eight years, you're probably looking at 20 and two. You know, leading oh, wow. time. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that is. is one of the more impressive stats right there. What that is telling me is, when Tennessee is leading at the half, we're not giving it up. No, we. No. It, it tells me that we're making better adjustments than at halftime on top of what we've already done than the other guys are. And you know, we've had some good second half comebacks under him too, but. I'm with you on that. What what we're doing when we go in at halftime and we're up, we ain't. You better you better uh, be ready for a fight that second half because we ain't letting it go. Exactly, and that's you know, it, teams know whenever they play Tennessee, you better pack a lunch because it's going to be a long day. Yes, and don't let them have the lead at halftime. So pretty much though, what you're saying is too in a in a back. In the back of that stat is we've been leading these games, 83 of these games at halftime, boys. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'll hit the Google machine and figure out exactly what Rick's entire uh, record is at Tennessee. But, I mean, I, he, there's no way he's coached more than 170 games. Let's see here. I'll, go, I'll do it right now, boys. Just do it right now. <coughs> that's just that's, – that's crazy. I mean, Hop was uh, – to bring up football for just a second, Hop was undefeated when leading at halftime until playing Bama this last year. Yeah. So you know, we don't care about the state of Alabama. Don't give a damn about them. Not the whole state at all. Don't care about them. So all together here, uh, Rev Rick, Rev Rick, I should say. Um, let's see here. He is. His record at Tennessee, I just found it right here. So his record at Tennessee is 179 uh, to 95. Yep. And his entire career, let's see if I can find that right here. 783 and 409. Man, this man has coached a lot of basketball. So in just (laughs) under 50% of our games, really, if you think about it, looking at, at it like that, he's 80 and 3. 179 and 95 and 92 games we've not been leading at halftime so we've lost obviously um but in just under 50 percent of our games we're leading at halftime and we're coming back and or we're, we're coming out at halftime and saying nope this is our win it's done you know what if you would have told me after we went through that whole spew of coaches after after Brucey left town or, or got shoved out of town. Um, if you'd have told me we were going to land Rick Barnes and this was going to be the outcome, I'd have took it. Well, anybody would have. You know, we Tennessee historically is a great program in the SEC, but in our lifetimes, Tennessee's not always been the best program until Bruce Pearl came to town. Right. And Rick Barnes has been able to build off of what Bruce has done and grow it into something that's longer lasting. I mean, he's been in Knoxville since 2015. Yep. It's a whole lot longer than Bruce was in Knoxville. It is. It is. So that's a fun one right there. But you boys ready to dive into some Illinois talk? It's coming yeah. up on Saturday. Let's talk some fighting mm. Illini. They, uh, Those boys they, won, um, they won 98 and 89 tonight. Beat F, beat uh, FAU, who just so happened to bounce us out of the tournament last year, boys. Yeah, um, and that was a great basketball game right there too. Yes, two ranked teams that were going at it. Illinois is ranked twentieth. I don't have what uh, FAU's ranking was right there, but I think they're in the top thirteen. I want to say. I want to say they're eleventh. Mm-hmm. But FAU. You know, Yes, FAU. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you know, they played for a national championship last year, and I think they got a lot of that team back. The whole team came back plus the coach. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they were like, hey, this is so much fun. Let's run it back. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus. Um, I, I don't blame them. Oh, my absolutely. Lord. But, you know, boys, we the Fighting Isle and I are coming into town on uh, Saturday at noon. It's a CBS game, so everybody make sure you got your digital antennas if you don't have cable so you can catch this one. But a couple of things that I'm looking at right here. Um, the Isle and I are 7-1 and one, with their only loss being to Marquette yes. by seven points. That right there 
shows that this team knows what they're doing. They know how to play basketball. Um, but what I like to see on this right here, the Volunteers are, based off the ESPN matchup predictor, predicted to win this game at 71.2%. I'll take yep. it. I'll yeah. take that. I mean, that, that, home, that home court advantage for us is, is, is nice because, uh, you know, it's just like in football, man. We show up and we show out when we're, whenever somebody big's coming to town. Yeah, well, we, we always do. You know, TBA is one of the most fun places you can ever go watch a game in. You know, if you're not a Tennessee fan, you still have a great time there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Illinois, they're led by Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, he's a senior from Chicago. Tonight against Florida Atlantic, he had 33 points in 35 minutes. Yeah, he's averaging like 20, 20.8 a game, I want to say. So he's he's up there, dude. He's yeah. good. 20.8 exactly. You were correct on that. Joe. Oh wow. And he's averaging so, 31 minutes a game. That's a guy we're going to have to we're going to have to shut down early. Um you know, I was looking at it on paper, man. It's honestly it's it's it, we're in for it Saturday. It's going to be a battle because what's that boy play? He is a guard. I like our chances a little bit better as long as he don't play a big man spot doing that we'd be okay. I agree with that. I mean, our defense on the perimeter is so good. I, I'm telling you guys right now, and I don't want to guarantee anything. There is no way this man has 33 points on Saturday. I would think. I would think not. I mean, we I'm might do pretty well with him. I'm gonna go out on a full limb here, boys. The boy don't hit 15. Ooh, that that might be something we can't deliver on right there. But hey, I'll take it if we can do it. My about high expectations. Well, you look at what he's done on the season right here. He's averaging 31 minutes a game, 51.1% from the field, 46% from three, 72% from the line. He's getting four rebounds a game, three assists a game, 20 points per game. That's an impressive stat line. Well, for a senior, too, I mean, this guy right here, he's tied for 39th in the NCAA with a scoring average. That's... Send him back to Champagne with a loss. Let's go ball. Hey, yeah, buddy. I am ready for that. Yours truly will be in attendance on Saturday, and we will break the game down uh, sometime this weekend. But I'm expecting a loud and rowdy crowd inside of TBA at the Food City Center. I can't get used to saying the Food City Center, but I guess I got to now. But I think we're going to have a large crowd in there. Um, the get-in price on this right now is $12. So if anybody's looking to make the trip over to the Food City Center, come say hello. But this is a game right here that you look at on the schedule and you circle it at the beginning of the year saying, this is a resume builder. This yeah. is a quadrant one win that we can go get and build our resume. When Selection Sunday comes around, we're good to go. Yeah. I mean, good on top of on top of your chances you're going to have in the uh, in, in conference play, you've got to you, – you, this is one of those, like, like, this is a good enough win to be like Kentucky or, you know, even Alabama. Alabama's got a good ball squad this year. LSU probably might be tough. I don't know. I hadn't watched enough of them. Um, Texas A&M, we, we're going to have more opportunities than not, I think, to get plenty of those quad one wins, but we need to get one this weekend for sure. Well, we do, and you look at this too, guys. Sure, the Volunteers dropped three games in the month of November. The best part about that, it was November. But you look at what we've got on the docket here for the month of December. 
there's two opportunities for quad one wins, and that's it. You've got Illinois, then Georgia Southern comes to Knoxville. You fly out to San Antonio in the Hall of Fame series, and you tip off against NC State out there. Then you got Tarleton State, and then after that, Norfolk State comes at the beginning of the year, and then you're right into SEC play. Right. Yeah. We gotta it, handle. We gotta handle uh, this weekend and NC State. Well, those are two must wins. Um, you know, and uh, there was there was a bracketology that came out today that's got Tennessee projected as the three seed right now, which is not the one or two seed we were all hoping for, but that doesn't matter. It matters who's hot at that time, and I've got all the faith in the world that this team can get there. It's just building off of these big wins that you can get. Today wasn't a big win, but it's a get-right win, and it settles you the right way. You jump into Illinois on Saturday. You got number 17 versus number 20 going head-to-head. You get that dub right there. Those three losses are forgotten about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of what gives you – it's a new month. You got a clean slate. Let's, Let's just go on and be ready for what comes next, you know? I do Absolutely. want to touch on something that Grant said. He said it's hard for it to call. He's he's having a hard time calling it the Food City Center. It's better than Kroger, bro. Hey, anything's better than Kroger. Anything north of the border, man, just forget <laughs> about it. Right? That's a shot at Kentucky. Go back to the coal mines. Hey, and I'm sitting in Lexington, Kentucky right now recording this. Go back to the coal mines. Go back, back to the coal, coal mines. Well, boys, um, I think we've talked about as much basketball as we can talk tonight. Y'all want to talk a little NFL? Man, let's do it. Football. Um, I do want to say we got we do have a special guest coming on with us tomorrow night. We're going to save our college football talk for that episode. So that's why we're going straight into the NFL here. And let's say this too. You listeners are in for a great treat tomorrow night. Yes, yes. It's, it's, Super excited. A, it's a good one. You guys won't be disappointed. So – Thursday night football, Cowboys had to cut, had to do it in dramatic fashion, boys, over the Seahawks, 41-35. Wow. America's team, son. America's team. They're, they're, not my, they're not my America's team, I can tell you that. <laughs> Look, I, I know, but the, the viewership on this game, not to break away from how good the game was, the viewership for this game, 15 million. Man. Just saying, they're still America's team, bro. And honestly, they're coming on hot right when they need to. Because we'll get into the next game that affects this division in a little bit with uh, San Fran and the Eagles. The Cowboys are lining themselves up to be the number one seed in the NFC. Ooh, that's that's a bold statement, Cotton. Hey, but you ain't wrong. Yeah, um, if the birds drop a couple, I mean, the Cowboys definitely have a chance at it. Well, they don't have to. They don't have to. Right they, into it if y'all want to. Well, they don't have to drop another game. That's the thing. They drop the one. The Cowboys just have to win out now because they play the Eagles again. They beat them. They win the division. Well, we can jump right into that one, boys. The Niners absolutely dog walked the Eagles, forty-two nineteen. Yes, sir. They did, and and that's the thing. That's where the NFC is lying right there. It's the Forty ers This is their conference this year. Shanahan's had enough of playing second fiddle to these teams. He's got a squad. Brock Purdy on par right now to win MVP. Well, you, look at, you look at what Purdy did on Sunday as well. He was 19 of 27 throwing the ball, 314 yards with four tutties. 
Okay, so this year there's only one QB with four perfect passer rating games, or uh, was it four or above 150? It's Brock Purdy. That's it. That's the end of the list. That's that's wild. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant is playing very relevant football for sure. He's he's absolutely killing it. Right now, there's the argue that he does have an argument for MVP because MVP is the is the player on the best is the best player on the best team in the NFL, plain and simple. Brock Purdy is the reason that these guys have been winning games. He's the reason they beat the Eagles. I don't disagree. Yeah. And the what I will add on that too. He is very blessed to have Christian McCaffrey share that backfield with him. A hundred percent. Yes, sir, he is. Christian McCaffrey's the most talented running back in the NFL. He's the best running back in the NFL by far. Yes. He, yeah. When he's healthy, you can't beat him. Yeah, well, you think the about healthy. the you think about all aspects of McCaffrey's game. He's got the rushing down pat. He can play a little bit of that power game where he lowers his shoulder. Not as effective there as he is being elusive. But he is an elite receiving back. Yes, there's, there's nobody that touches him in catching the ball at, at running back in the NFL. Oh yeah, and you know what I love about him too? I've got him on my dynasty fantasy squad. Hey, let's go! That's a good one. Oh, he's the best pick ever. That's right. That's amazing because the kid's got. I mean. He's got at least five years of good football left in him, barring a, an injury that's just un- unrecoverable. You know, I mean, if he can't recover from that's very unlikely to happen the way McCaffrey runs the ball. Right. So, and, and the dude is very dedicated to his body because he knows that's what makes him money. Yes. yes. Well, he's only 27 years old. Yes. That's what I'm saying. He's – you think about the shelf life of running backs in the NFL, it starts to run till about 32, 33. If McCaffrey can keep up this level of play till then, he's Hall of Fame bound. Then whatever else he adds on there is just extra mustard. He gets a Super Bowl this year, and he plays a huge part in that game. He'll be Hall of Fame bound after this year. Yeah, I think he already is personally. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, it's not – you take a look at what he's done. He's one of the first receivers, if not the first receiver in NFL history, to have a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing and a hundred plus catches in the same season. Well, like you look at what he's done this season, and this is just rushing stats right here, but he's had 210 carries for a thousand and thirty-two yards and twelve touchdowns. Now he's averaging five yards per carry. Now we're breaking these teams down and this, you know, what brought these guys up was the Cowboys. Unless, you know, in a hypothetical situation, let's say the Cowboys get past the Eagles. Let's say it comes down to the Cowboys and the Niners in the championship. Tell me who on that defense of the Cowboys can realistically stop McCaffrey from doing whatever he wants. Nobody. Well, there's not a single player in the NFL who can stop him from doing what he wants. You exactly. can't stop him. You just you got to slow him down. Well, that's my thing. I don't see a player on that front seven of the Cowboys that's just going to step up and be like, you're not doing this today. You're not going to be the guy who beats us. Right. Now, on the other end of that spectrum, the defense of the 49ers, they're loaded. They have a bunch of talent over there, and they're super talented, but they can get picked apart 
in those corners. The corners are the least talented part of that defense. And you ask any NFL head, they'll tell you that's the most important part of any NFL defense. If it ain't your ends, your rushing ends, it's your corners. That well, that, there's a reason why all the all the big time fantasy guys are saying, well, if you're you've got a receiver that plays uh, San Fran this week, you better start him. Well, so. that's the thing. You take a look at who the Cowboys have at receiver. Arguably, he's having the best uh, past five games besides Tyreek Hill of any receiver in the NFL, and that's CD Lamb. And I've got both of those guys on my fantasy squad too with CMC. Hey, guess what? I got them. I got them too, Grant. I'm living in the fast lane too, brother. It's a great, great fantasy year. It is. It's good. It's a good year. It's a good year to have CD and Tyreek, especially when they're hitting their stride. Uh, you think about what CD did in this game against Seattle. As far as fantasy wise, 38 points uh, in a half PPR league, 42 in a full PPR. So what you guys are saying is, to quote Travis Tritt, it's a great day to be alive. It is a I'm, great day to be alive. <laughs> at the end, honestly, I see the Cowboys getting to the first seed. I don't think that the Eagles can stop them at this point. I think the Eagles got exposed by the 49ers. And I think that the Cowboys have the same amount of talent on offense, for the exception of having Christian McCaffrey, which let's not fault Tony Pollard here. He's a very talented running back, too. He's not nowhere near McCaffrey, but he can get the job done. Right. Well, he so, absolutely I mean, can. He's one, and, and Dak is having – he's having probably he's – he's on that same pace with CD here. He's picked up his game, and his last five games, he's been lots out. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the odds that Dallas is going to get put out first round of the playoffs. Maybe I Jets. would love nothing more than that. Boys. I'm gonna be honest with you, boys. I'm I'm not here or there. I mean, my team's not gonna make it. The Titans are out, but I mean, as far as it goes with the Cowboys, the NFC, I want to see the two best teams make it. And if that means the Cowboys make it to the championship, I'm all about it because I want to see a good championship game. I want to see the two teams that make it to the Super Bowl. I want to see them get tested. Well, exactly. You know, and this is one thing that I want to say, too, about the 49ers and the Eagles. Could you imagine if Brock Purdy wouldn't have gotten injured in that game last year in the NFC Championship game? Oh, it's not even close. Oh, we, we've had that hypothetical. Me and Jordan has talked about that just off the podcast before, just each other about what if, you know. And that's my thing. Shanahan's done playing second fiddle, boys. I'm telling you. The 49ers are about to do some damage to some teams. Gonna be it's gonna be wild going down the stretch, boys. Let's break down some of these other scores right quick, though. What do you say? Let's do it. Chargers yeah. six, Pats goose egg. Not much to talk about there, boys. Two. Well, no, hang on. Pets. This is one thing I do want to say on this. We have all lived long enough for the Patriots to turn into a poverty franchise again. And what a great day it is. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, uh, man, those Patriot fans. I was one of them when Brady was up there, living on top of the world, brother. Right. Um, let's see here. Next up, we got the Cardinals and the Steelers. Uh, uh, Cardinals get the 24-10 to 10 dub over the Steelers, boys. That's that's a kick to the pride right there. You know what I'm saying? If you're a Steelers fan, hey. Well, this game turned on its head when uh, when Kenny Pickett got hurt. Went down early in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury on a drive where 
the 40 or uh, 49ers, the uh, Steelers had a chance to tie the game. Well, and it was a weird game anyway, because if I remember correctly, I looked up at, at the score on the third quarter and it was weather delayed. Yeah. Yes. Huge downpour in that game. It so, was. Yeah, a little different for everybody. Um, next up, we got the Lions and the Saints, 33-28 Lions. Uh, Saints tried their best to come back in that one, though. This right here was a showdown, brother. It was. It was. The, the Lions, they, I mean, they jumped out early and jumped on them often, but the Saints made it, gave it their best effort to make it, make it a game, and they about won it. You want to talk about a receiver who never hardly gets mentioned, and it's Chris Olave. That kid is money. Uh, he had a cash game for the Saints. If it wasn't for him, the Saints aren't close to this score. He made a lot of big plays late in this game after the Saints went down big. And he's the reason that they even caught back up and made it a game because he had two catches that were deep 40-plus yard balls, seems like, that were caught. And I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) And it changed the whole perspective for them. They were able to score on both those drives because it was like third and eight when he made those catches. Right. Well, here's another thing to look at here, too, guys. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Lions playing in the NFC Championship game later this year. That team is so good. They've got a lot of talent. They do. They do, but it's still Detroit at the end of the day, boys. That is true. I know what you mean there, but I just think that I love Detroit's talent, and I'm not going to dog on them, Grant. I agree with you, but they've got so much talent to have to contend against. They're not as talented as the 49ers or the Eagles, I don't think. They're not, and the Lions have younger talent too. Look at them in a couple of years. That that may be the best team in all of football in three more years. I'm gonna tell you right now, Amon Ross St. Brown is cruising to be the best receiver in football in the next couple of years. Hey, and if Hendo Cinco's back there throwing to him, that may be a whole lot better. Word up. Heard that. Um, boys, next one up. We got the Dirty Birds and the Jets. 13 to 8 in favor of the Falcons. Another one of these ugly games, man. That's how the Falcons play and win, though. Yeah. Well, did anybody in the whole entire world even tune into that game? (laughs) I know I didn't. Yeah, I sure as hell didn't. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I think they showed up on red zone twice, and that's it. So that's the only times I've seen them, boys. I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I had to reorganize my sock drawer, so I decided to do that. I figured it was more fun than watching 13 to 8 football. Um, up next, uh, Dolphins 45, the Commanders 15. That was Dolphins, <laughs> Let me tell you something right here. Let me talk to you about yeah. Tyreek Hill, son. He is it. You want to talk about the best receivers in NFL history? This guy right here, regardless of his ending stats, better damn well be mentioned in the top five. They better start putting respect on the guy's name. He is eating these teams alive. He's well on pace for 2,000-plus yards receiving this year. He's, he's, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. He stated that was his goal before the season started. I'm firmly agreeing that he's going to get it. Well, you look at what he did on Sunday. Five receptions, 157 yards, and two touchdowns. Okay. Unbelievable. Let's throw this out there, too. Two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns came on a 67-yard reception and a 40-plus-yard reception. I don't have the exact yardage on that one. 
I know this because I start him in fantasy, and the guy had 31 points at halftime. Somebody get at him. Right? Nobody can stop that man. I'm telling you right now, I've had Tyreek since he started going off for Kansas City in his rookie season. I've had him on my fantasy team ever since. I've enjoyed him. And next year, I don't think I'm going to get to, but I'm going to tell you right now, boys, it's been a fun-ass ride with Tyreek Hill. Right. Man, I've got him and Tua in my dynasty league on a stack. Same one with CMC, CD. (laughs) Why do you think I've only lost one game all year? (laughs) Grant's absolutely killing that right there, I want in on that team, Grant. Can I buy in? Hey, it's my team until the end of time. I'm keeping those guys until they retire. There you go. Um, all right, boys, let's close out this 1 p.m. window here. Um, Russ, buddy, your Colt, your Titans go down in overtime 28-25, man. Okay, I'll talk to you about this one, too. I don't know what the hell's wrong with this franchise. I am so sick to death of having these games in our back pocket. And giving them away. We led 17-7 to going into the fourth quarter of this game. Derrick Henry having a fantastic game. Then he gets hurt. And then it's like we lost all identity that we had. We forgot how to play football. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, defense was like, oh, well, we've heard this pocket in, boys. We ain't got a chance now. Let's go play some golf tomorrow, boys. Are you serious? 28 points. Or, no, sorry, sorry. 24 points in the fourth quarter. Well, uh, I'll tell you where where at least one person in the franchise uh, blames it, plays the blame, and that's uh, on the special team coach because y'all fired him. Well, look, it you can blame him if you want to. The defense shouldn't give up that amount of points. I'm sorry. Well, Not especially against the Colts with a backup quarterback. Yeah, it ain't like we're playing Anthony Richardson. Yardner Minshew pieced us up. You take a look at the drive in overtime because I'm actually false on how many points they had in the fourth quarter. Whatever, I'm aggravated. Um, That's the thing. You, you get a look at what Gardner Minshew did in overtime, and he just drives it down the field without nobody on that team having a will to stop him. Yep. It was, was just Gardner Minshew. I hated to see him take that one. Fire every damn body on the staff. I'm over it. It's time to start over. Ooh. Well, I, you know, I've got this opinion with the Titans bunch over there um, in Nashville. This is not a rebuild for the Titans. This is a total collapse. Yeah. This is not what you would expect from a team that's coached by Mike Rabel, who is one of the better coaches in the NFL. He is, and that's the thing. I hate it for Vrabel, and that's why I'm saying cut him loose because I'd rather see Vrabel be talented somewhere that I know he can coach good. Because New England, it's just not going to work here, man. It's not going to work here. He's on the list, if Belichick was to say, you know what, I'm out, boys. He would be the man who would take that job. I'm going to tell you right now, Vrabel will make a winning franchise out of that team again because they will rally behind a guy like Vrabel the way that that Nashville should be rallying rallying behind him now, but everybody's lost faith. I've not lost faith. I've lost faith in the team around him, and I don't want to see Vrabel keep going down with his ship. Right. Um, all right, boys. Well, Russ, I hate I hate that I hate that happened to you, bud. Because I, I, you know, I pull for the Titans. So, 
But that was a, that that one was hurt a rough the, one, man. That one hurt the pride, brother. That one kind of done me in for the rest of the year. You know me, Jordan. I had a lot of optimism. I said, we've got a shot. It's an outside shot, very long shot. Right. We had to win. And first game we get a chance to lose, that's what we do. Snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. Titans uh, are going to tighten. <laughs> Next yep. up, uh, Grant, buddy. Uh, do we even have to talk about this? Your Broncos ain't riding this week, bud. 22-17 to the Texans. You know, here's where here's where our problem was. And I have been the biggest Russell Wilson defender yep. since the beginning of time. Three interceptions, and he threw one in the end zone at the yep. end of the game. Yeah. Yes, sir. That, mm-hmm. I mean, right there, we're driving down the field. We're about to win the game. There's no no doubt in my mind. I'm sitting there. I'm watching it with my dad. I'm like, we got this. This is over with. And then it's, he throws a third interception. <laughs> I'm going to get hot for this one, boys. I'm going to get hot for this one. Look, look, Grant. I mean, you said, you know, you won, you know, didn't know how this happened. I'll tell you how it happened. C.J. Stroud, okay? He is electric. He's one of the best players, young players we've seen come out in the NFL in years. He's the best rookie quarterback we've seen in the past 15 years. I'll give you that 100% because of the stats read so. Um, And I'll tell you what, he did this really impressively too because he didn't have Tank Dell for most of this game. Tank Dell goes down, fractured fibula in this game. Yeah, Um, the man's done. Yeah, that one was a tough one right there for for fantasy owners of Tank Dell. Uh, but you take a look at what C.J. Stroud did after he goes down. He just found more guys. He's yeah. like, whatever. Nico Plug and Collins play, had a field day. Yeah, he did. Um, and Damian Pierce. You know, it was – if you're a Texans fan, it's good to see that guy show up finally. Yeah. Uh, first solid game he's had most of the season. He's had one other good game besides the game he had this week. Um, but that's the thing. He's getting back healthy. You like to see that if you're a Texans fan. Damian Pearson, electric running back. Thousand-yard runner last year as a rookie. Nowhere near that this year because he's not been healthy and on the field. And the Texans have been winning without him. So they're going to be that much more dangerous. That's a team in the AFC we've all got to keep an eye on right there. Not even just that. I think the AFC South is going to turn into the Texans division. I, I don't, I don't disagree. Well, when you hit on a quarterback like you did with C.J. Shroud, it, I mean, it changes the trajectory of your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. Well, you take a look, too, at what the Jaguars suffered last night with the Trevor Lawrence injury where he goes down and he, you know, limped off the field. First of all, why don't the Jaguars have carts? Took the guy 45 minutes to get from the sideline to the locker room. Um, that's unbelievable. Yes. The dude had a bummed out ankle. It was already hurting and the dude had to have help. Uh, didn't even have a full staff to help him. One staff member and a police officer helping a Trevor Lawrence, your franchise QB limp on his bummed out ankle back to the locker room, um, taking very much a ginger step on the way. So I believe he's probably done for the rest of the regular season might be done for the rest of the year if the Jaguars don't make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'd say you're right on that one, boys. Let's uh, let's go ahead and run through all the rest of it, though, not to cut anybody short, but let's go ahead and r- run through these other few games right quick. 
Uh, Bucks get the Panthers 21-18. Uh, that game don't really matter to much nobody, I don't reckon. Uh, nope. Browns and Rams. Rams get the get the win 36-19. Uh, we'll hit on Monday Night Football again because you brought it up. Bengals 34, Jags 31 in overtime. That solely because Trevor Lawrence goes down, I think. Jake Browning had a hell of a game. He had himself a ball game, though. Yeah. Um, but that being said, upset of the week happens in Lambeau Field. Uh, 27-19 pack over the Chiefs. Go, Pack, go, baby. Go, Pack, go. Let's go. I was going to say, where's that go, Pack, go from Jordo right there? Yeah, you knew it was coming. Oh, I knew it was. I, I'm the only victorious one of the, of the three of us this week. You know I had. To, you know I was going to touch on it. Well, that was awesome, though, man. That was a hell of a win, too, for the pack. I mean, Jordan Love continuing continuing his play. Let's well, go. Okay, Christian so Watson, great game from him, too. Right. Um, just real quick, let's touch on the playoff pitchers, and then we'll get on it. We'll do our trivia and, and all that. Um, AFC playoff pitcher, not much changed in the top two. Uh, Fins and Ravens are still one, two. Chief Jags, Steelers, Browns, Colts. Uh, that's your top seven. That's your that's who's in right now. Texans are outside looking in. Broncos are as well. I think those are the only two teams that are left that have a good shot to get in. Um, need a little help, but it's got it, they got to have they're good enough to get there. Um, a, a NFC playoff pitcher Eagles still got that one seed, so. Mm, that, that Dallas game is going to be going to be big. Going to be big. They They're might, one game apart. At, they might need to look at flexing that one to a prime time if it's not yeah. already. Um, Niners got the two seed. Lions are the three. Falcons are the four. The boys are five. Um, Vikings are no are sitting in the sixth seed. My Packers have played their way in right now, boys. They're in the seventh seed. Who? Uh, what's the record for the eighth seed team? Uh, they're at, uh, I want to say one game under 500, the Packers six and six now. Um, I want to say they're five, six, maybe, or I, it's close. I didn't, I didn't write that down, but. So what you're saying is, is the Cowboys can pretty much clinch a playoff berth if they win this weekend. More or less. Yeah. So from five ups, pretty much in. I would say so. Um, I mean, the AFC South. It ain't close because I mean you got th- your next three. The Falcons have all but got that one. It's Bucks and Saints uh, are second and third. We know the pet the the Panthers are dead last because like oh suck. yeah they're awful one and uh-huh. twelve now I think. The Seahawks, they're they're in the nine spot and they still got a shot. They got to have some help from my Packers and the Vikings. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna get interesting down the stretch though, boys. For sure. Uh, go pack go. Go, go pack go. go. That's right. <laughs> uh, Russ, last week, but our picks. Uh, you got you got two games on me, man. I went five and five. You went seven and three. So hats off to you. Two two winning two winning weeks in a row. Let's go. <laughs> right. Um, you guys ready to make a trip to a lewd city though? Let's let's make a trip. Uh, well, city. Uh, this week we're gonna visit the city of Cooter, Missouri. Cooter. Cooter. Uh, it is in Pemiscot County, Missouri. As of the 2020 census, it's got a population of 343 people. Oh, wow. What part of Missouri is that in? Do what? What part of Missouri is that in? That is in the southeast corner, like that little... That the little, Boo Hill? Yeah. 
Okay. So yeah. I have driven through Pemiscot County multiple times when I lived in West Tennessee to get up to the northwest corner of the state. Uh, nothing is there at all. <laughs> you could shoot a shotgun and literally not hit a soul. Yeah. <laughs> Give so. me that buckshot, kid. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to hit nobody. Don't worry about <laughs> it. You're safe. So, all right. Boy, you guys ready to do some trivia? Let's do it. Trivia. We uh, who wants to go first? Grant, you want to go first since you're the newbie? Man, I don't really have anything prepared. I can do uh, sports trivia with you guys. Um, well, I kind of covered on what I had actually with Rick Barnes' record. I did not mean to bring that up so early. <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, well, you can if you if you ain't got nothing, that's all good. We'll uh, me and Russell uh, will see see who's gonna get the best of the other one tonight. Let's do it. Oh, all right. Russ, I'll go first tonight, bud. Okay. Which uh, Hall of Fame NFL player was uh, nicknamed Sweetness? Walter Payton. Yep. All right. I had to throw a softball right off the bat there. Um, number two, what is the the number one most used movie quote of all time? Ooh. That's a tough one. Um... Be a lot cooler if you did. Oh, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Oh, <laughs> you can't say that my guess wasn't money. That was a good one. That was a good one. Um, last but not least, in what year did Limp Biscuit release three dollar bill, y'all? Ooh, been in the nineties, wouldn't it have? Yes, I'm gonna say ninety nine. 97. Damn. <laughs> I was uh, getting close. You were close. You were close. Well, what do you got for me, bud? Okay. Name the driver in NASCAR history with the most wins, but no championship. Most wins, but no. Mark Martin. That's a good guess. Junior Johnson. Really? Yes, sir. Damn. He had 50 wins, no, cha no championship. What was Mark Martin at? He, he Mark, was Mark, Mark Martin was at forty, I think forty even. Oh, well, can you tell me how many? Tell me how many wins Junior Johnson had? Oh man, he was at what? Well, I'm gonna say fifty four. Fifty. Damn, struck out <laughs> twice. <laughs> All right, what hard rock band has performed in space? YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. Have to be. Oh, uh -huh, it's a trick question. Ain't no hard rock band ever performed in space. <laughs> uh, you, good, good point. YouTube's not, not, uh, you sneaky, you sneaky butthead. All right. So here's one. In what movie can the address 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney be found? Right. I'll let Jordan try to answer this one. I'll get the answer right if you don't get it. I know this off the top of my head. Oh man, forty-two one. I've heard it, and I can't even think of the think of the think of the name of it. Go go ahead, Grant. I'm a, I'll I'll pass on this one. I don't. So know. P. Sherman lives at forty-two Wallaby Way, Sydney, in Finding Nemo. Sure Finding does. Jeez, I've got kids. You think I'd know that? Yeah, and I don't have any kids, and I know that. Right? I, I'm disappointed in myself on that one, boys. <laughs> had, to, had to hit you with the Finding Nemo question because of the kids, Jordan. I know you got kids. I know you'd be having to watch some Disney movies. 
Oh man! And Finding Nemo three. just rings off like a movie you'd watch. <laughs> I went. I cleaned. I'm, I'm Jordan. Jordan's the shrimp in that movie. I clean. <laughs> I clean. So, well, boys, what do you guys say we uh, we wrap it up and uh, get ready for uh, our special guest tomorrow night? What do you think? Special guest. Special I am guest. ready for that. Uh, just to the listeners out there, you guys are in for a big treat tomorrow with who we've got coming on. Uh, you listen to uh, local radio in East Tennessee. You probably know who this person might be. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Um, we're going to save our college football, college basketball, some college basketball talk for him tomorrow night. Uh, I want to put it out there too that uh, I have noticed we've noticed uh, we we're starting to see a, a, a growth in uh, followers, listen, listens, plays, everything like that. We definitely appreciate that. Um, we're now on Apple Music. We're on. Uh, iHeartRadio, Overcast. We're fixing to be on Google Podcasts. Uh, we're going to be pretty available to you guys. So uh, be be on the lookout for those uh, for us on those. We're going to start a. We're going to hit social media this week and uh, send out some invites. If you guys would share our page and like, rate, and subscribe to us on whatever listening platform you use, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys, for doing everything you do for us. We do everything for the masses. Absolutely. We appreciate you guys more than you all would ever know. Absolutely. There's uh, big things coming out of Vallin' Out. Just just bear with us and hang in there with us. We'll get them out there. Uh, we appreciate you guys, and uh, we're going to call it a night, fellas. You guys have a good night. Go you Vols, boys. Well, go Vols. Go Vols. <laughs>